Welcome, Fivers, to another episode of High Five, the podcast, a movie podcast for people who like other stuff, too. On this week's episode, your hosts Q and Jay dive into some of their favorite movies and hopefully talk about some of your favorites, too. Feel free to yell at your speakers when we ignore your favorites, or you could just tweet at us with your choices, like an adult. Now, let's join Q and Jay in the writer's room as they dive in. Fair warning. This podcast may contain spoilers for movies that came out 20 years ago, but at this point, that's really your fault. And now, on with the show. Jay, Jay, I'm so glad you came to my house, man. I have something crazy to show you. Well, of course, I'm here to record podcasts. Why wouldn't I come over? No, 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 no. You can't. Like, my mom can't know what's going on. Like, she can't know that I have this secret thing in the shed out back that I want to show you, right? Okay, okay. Yeah, well, I did mean, you let's, bring, let's... Did you bring your bike? Because I we did. need to ride it later. Okay, no, no, I totally I totally brought my bike. You All asked right, me to. Excellent. There is a bike. It's here. Perfect. Excellent. Uh, now, wait, hold on. Real question. This is really important. Does it have a basket on the front? It does. Well, it didn't, but I, I actually took my neighbor's mailbox and then like uh-huh. fastened it to the front and then like okay, cut wait. open the top. Like, so it like works as a basket. That's what I was going to ask. So you did cut the top off. So it is of course, like a, of course, a jagged, <laughs> sharp, a sharp, jagged metal box. Yeah. I'm not a moron. Yeah, of course. Okay. Perfect. Right All off. Right. The... Also, did you pick up the Reese's pieces that I asked? Yeah, I don't know why we're both allergic to peanut butter. Oh, you're but, gonna um, find you're gonna find out. All right, you ready? Okay, right, so let's go let's okay. go to the backyard. Just follow me. Okay, okay. Follow me. Okay. Remember, quiet. This is a secret from my mom. It's real important okay. that my mom, my parental figure, doesn't figure out what's going on. Okay. It's okay. a secret. Because we're Here, just open a the couple door. Of, couple of kids. Hold on. Not too fast. You gotta do it. Otherwise it'll spook it. Look at that. Oh my god! That's a T-Rex, man. No, 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 behind the T-Rex. Look behind the T-Rex. Oh, my God, that's Tom Hanks as the weird European. No, God, behind Tom Hanks. Tom, well, what get out of the, move out of the way. Oh, my God, it's Tom Hanks again on a bridge. How does that work? Tom, two Toms. Get out of the way, Toms. No, that, that giant metal shark. <laughs> ah, it's, it's Tom Hanks in World War II. Tom. Would you stop? I said you could hang out in my shed while you're healing from the coronavirus. But I need all three of you, Toms, get out of here, multiplicit Tom. (laughs) Giant metal shark. Yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to say a metal shark. It was actually just a normal shark. I was just thinking of the metal giant tripod alien that's standing behind it. But that's not what I wanted to show you. (laughs) No, the shark is the thing. Is Tom the the one that Tom Hanks is riding on? Tom, get out of here. Yeah, get off that shark. It's dangerous. So it turns out, Jay, sharks love Reese's Pieces. Oh, interesting. You know so, what I love? You know what I love? The color purple. Oh, it's just a little do? fact about me. I, yeah. That's my favorite color, actually. It's my favorite color. Hey, do you think I'm going to need a bigger shed? Oh, we're definitely going to need a bigger shed. Yeah, because that it shark must, is we must We must shed faster. Must shed faster. That is true. Wait a minute. Is that Jeff Goldblum hiding over in the corner back there, shirtless? No, it's Tom Hanks pretending to be Jeff Goldblum. God damn it, Tom Damn Hanks. it, Tom Hanks. Why do you keep high popping five. up in my shed? You want a high five, Tom Hanks? 
Whoa, all, all of right. the Tom Hankses want a high five? This is, all right, a, a, this is five Tom Hankses high-fiving us. This is a high-five multiplicitom. And high-five. Should we high-five? High five! High five! High five! High five, son! Woo! High five! Don't let me hang it. All right, Jay. For those who didn't pick up on the bit, because I'm gonna be honest, I don't know if people got it. <laughs> we were uh, we were talking. We're, today we're here talking about Spielberg, the great, all-powerful Steven Spielberg. Steven Spielberg, and, and uh, we stumbled on the fact that he uses Tom Hanks in a lot of his movies. Right, and I have a feeling that. Uh, they're just going like people now that are listening are like, oh, okay. I thought that was just a really fucking weird intro. I didn't get it, especially no. when Q no, said they got metal it. shark that really threw things <laughs> off. Yeah, like, I why? didn't know why it was a metal shark, but I just thought yeah. it was like, hey, I was he, gonna say the metal tripod to... robot, and then I combined it with the shark, and it just came out metal shark. And I just went. With I mean, it it's, because improv. It's pretty. It's pretty badass. Did, did uh, Steven Spielberg have anything to do with Iron Giant? Uh, I don't know. I don't think so. Did Maybe he? produced it? Maybe Did produced. he produce it like he produced know. Tiny Toons? Yeah, there's a lot of things that... Well, his name was on Tiny Toons, too. It's I know. Like Steven Spielberg presents, presents Tiny Toons. Tiny and Toon Animaniacs, I think, was the same. Steven Spielberg yeah. presents Animaniacs or something. Steven Spielberg, I think, also produced He's in the credits. Freakazoid. I love Freakazoid. Uh, once oh, man. again, featuring the the amazing voice talents of the the great Paul Rugg, who oh. we have who we have shouted out on this show before with hashtag #RuggRoust. Uh, and yep. I will say, I would like to state again, if Paul Rugg is listening to this episode, or if there which he should be, that no Paul Rugg, we would please. love to just have a chat. Oh, please, Mr. Come Rugg. on, come on the show, Rugg. Um, hashtag #RuggRoust. All right, we so. are we are rug rats, so. <laughs> we are hashtag #rugrats, but that's rug with two G's. Like yeah, that's name. how we get. That's so how we get around the the Nickelodeon rats. suing us. Uh, so we are here today not to talk about Paul Rugg though. And no, so, or Steven's, Paul Rudd. <laughs> oh, we need a Paul Rudd episode. Let's put that on the docket, like top five right. Paul Rudd things. Charles, write that down on my list. Oh, do we get a do we get a new assistant? Yeah. Well, I did. I think you should have a different assistant like each week. Charles is just a monkey in a butler outfit. (laughs) He doesn't do anything very well, but it's cute as hell. He's not writing anything down. No, he's just smashing his feces. You're like, Charles, write that down. He's like, (laughs) just breaks like a vase. (laughs) And you're like, ah, I didn't mean to write it in my own blood, but all right. You're adorable, Charles, you little scamp. Oh, you look so good in that butler outfit. I can't stay mad at you. I bought that for an American girl doll, but it fits you like a (laughs) snug rug. You look great. Uh, So we're talking. (laughs) (laughs) Can I ask you, uh, what was like the very first Steven Spielberg movie that you remember seeing? Ooh. You know, it it probably has to be E.T. Okay. I think it wasn't one. And again, I've, I think I've used this before, but it is how everybody starts. Like you see a movie when you're a kid and you don't realize like, oh, this is a Steven Spielberg movie. It's like, this is a movie. Like this is a good movie that I like about an alien. And then later you associate it with Steven Spielberg, you know. 
And so I, I, I think it almost has to be E.T., maybe Hook. Ooh, but Hook okay. was later, I think, probably. I mean, I, I didn't start, like, when I was a kid with Jaws or Jurassic sure. Park or anything like that. I have a crazy story to tell you. So the first Spielberg movie that I've seen, and obviously I was too young to realize that it was Spielberg. Sure, of course. But the, my first experience was not E.T., although I wish it was. My first experience, and this is a like low-key Spielberg movie, like movie insiders know that this is a Spielberg movie, but it was fucking sure. Poltergeist, man. Like Poltergeist directed by Tom Hooper, so the credits say, but there's a very well-known Hollywood rumor that Spielberg came yeah. in and basically took that movie over. I have heard that rumor as well, and you can tell, like his fingerprints are all over it. But that was my first exposure, wow. and no. I was way too young to see that movie. I was. I am still like, too young to see that movie. I don't know. I was probably like like six or seven. Oh no, and that would terrify me. So watching, uh, I referred to her as Zelda. I think that's her name, Zelda Rubenstein, Maybe. right? The actress who played yeah. the psychic. Yes, 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 yes. Watching her assistant like peel hunks of his face off in the mirror, like scarred for life. I remember, I remember still the first time I saw that movie, what stuck to me was the skeletons popping out of the swimming pool. And then later to find out that they like used real skeletons, real human skeletons. But yes, wow. One, it didn't know it was a Spielberg movie, and you shouldn't have watched it at that age at all. Exactly. Two reasons to uh, an early introduction to Spielberg that you may not have loved. Q had bad parents. (laughs) (laughs) Do do do. Um, But yeah, yeah, I mean, my first one, they sat me down when I was like four, and they made me watch Schindler's List about seven times in a row. Perfect. And they were like, this is you. This is life. And I'm like, ah. And you're like, what? <laughs> Why? <laughs> Why? Why is he showing me this? it's not. It really <laughs> isn't. Um, no, but that was my first experience with a Spielberg film. Later, I would find out that, you know, the whole Hollywood mumbo jumbo about him taking over that film. My second film would have been E.T. I think actually- like, I think our generation, that's like the kid movie that you get introduced to him by. I'm going to be honest, though. I was equally as scared of that movie as well. That movie's creepy. I'm not going to lie. That movie's creepy, especially when people come in at the end in suits and take him from his house. I was going to say the scene that stuck with me that really bothered me was like pale, ashy, white E.T. laying in a ditch, like dying, essentially. I was like, Jesus, that really freaks me out. Like, I do not like that at all. Like... (laughs) Like, at all. That really bothered me. It was, like, a really yeah. unsettling image of just, like, this unrecognizable creature. Like, this alien creature, <laughs> clearly in pain, just kind of like... <laughs> Ashy and just terrible. Yeah, it was just really As you me. see his heart die. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, what the fuck are we doing here, Spielberg? Um, <laughs> now, I will say, Spielberg is one of those dudes that... He is, like... He has achieved, like, mythic-level, like, prowess. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, uh, he's, he's become a living Hollywood legend. Well, you just hear the name Spielberg, and you think, like, movies, Hollywood. You know, you just have that. He, I mean, it's, it's the same that you hear, you know, like, Orson Welles, or you hear, um, 
why am I blanking? Uh, Francis Ford Coppola. Thank you, Coppola. Um, But yeah, you just hear those names and they're associated with a style, a feeling, a type of movie, um, an era of movies or, or whatever it may be. And, um, and Spielberg definitely is that. And I think, especially for our generation, you know, he, he was at his peak through the late seventies, middle, you know, early nineties, late nineties. And that's where we were watching movies and establishing our tastes and kind of, you know, getting addicted to this, this form of entertainment. And, but it does bring me to a question of, yes, he's reached mythical status, but where have your feelings on his movies been over the past like 20 ish oh, years? Oh man. And that's what we need to talk about. And I'm sure we'll get into it when we get into lists. I can tell you maybe one, maybe one of his movies in the last 20 years made my top five list. Um, and he, here's kind of why. Maybe one of his did for me maybe. too. Maybe. And uh, it's debatable. Spielberg. Spielberg has kind of become like has has gotten into the Tim Burton effect for me. Which oh, is, well, and we talked about this on our Tim Burton episode. I did. Said, this is going to mirror that conversation. I feel because I have very similar feelings. Because I love what Spielberg brought to cinema. <laughs> love uh, capital L. Love. He changed. He changed the landscape. He created tropes. Basically, the whole Stranger Things, kids on bikes thing right. is credited <laughs> to Steven Spielberg. Like that aesthetic, yeah. that feeling of like kids, camaraderie, friendship, going through some sort of life experience thing. That is right. attributed to him and his production company Amblin. Yeah. Well, and even you know a movie that he didn't direct, but like that I referenced uh, previous to us recording, but The Goonies is yes. he it produced that. Like it's an Amblin movie. It feels like a Steven Spielberg movie, even though he didn't direct it. But it is a movie, you know. Yeah. And Steven Spielberg was a huge proponent of practical effects. I mean, which it's, we it's, are diehard just fans, fans of like I think and that I think his movies are one of the reasons I'm a diehard fan of that is like that established to me how a movie needs to look and function and feel and if it I doesn't mean, pertain to that then I just am already docking at points and is it easier to to build a I mean now obviously not in the time but is it easier now to build a, uh, a CG shark as opposed yeah. to the very well-documented, horrible experiences that they had trying to get yeah. their shark to work on set on Jaws. Um, and one of the things that I love is all of his, when I think of storytelling, yes, I think of a Spielberg kind of aesthetic. He d- built and designed characters in his films that felt real like they felt like fleshed out people who had lives and did things outside of this movie that you'd never saw Um, right well i mean uh, real real people and they're like like dr alan grant you know in jurassic park and i know that's based off of a book so obviously a a A lot of credit goes to michael crichton Uh, uh, yeah and the same thing for jaws you know the the sheriff character 
Exactly. Like those are very relatable characters because you relate like, oh, I am this paleontologist. I need money. I don't like kids and I'm in this situation. And it goes haywire. Or I am the sheriff. I have these responsibilities, but the government is pushing back on me for also logical reasons of money and tourism. And like, you understand that struggle. You understand that they just moved there and he's new to town and he doesn't have as much pull as he needs. And like, it feels like a thing that exists. It feels like a thing that they're really dealing with as opposed to just like, okay, I am going to like shoehorn this character into this situation and because I need my movie to be that, you know? Right. No, totally agreed. Um, relatable conflicts are definitely something that Steven Spielberg excels at with his characters. Even if in, in, in fanciful stuff like Hook, Robin right. Williams is, ba- is essentially a, a absentee father who <laughs> is placing right. work, work over his children. And that is in a very real world sense. That's a relatable feeling. Like I feel right. like I'm not around and I'm not providing my children with what they need. Or from the kid's perspective, I'm a kid and my dad is always working and doesn't have time for me. And instead, here's another adult figure who wants to show me attention. Of right. course, I'm going to gravitate towards that. So they are. And there are other movies that like use that trope, like Jingle All the Way is based on that as well, but it's not nearly as good or memorable as no. Because like he has a way of marrying form with function for his characters. You know what I mean? Like, now, And another thing that I love about Spielberg movies, and one thing that he, I believe, is very good at, regardless of how the quality of the movie ends up, is he always is very particular about working with very talented people. Like, Absolutely. Half of the reason, probably more than half of the reason that Hook works is because of Robin Williams and Dustin Hoffman. Oh, absolutely. And like the fact that they are uh, the caliber of actor necessary and the correct actor for the role is well, is of huge importance. I mean, and we joked earlier about him and Tom Hanks, but Tom Hanks is a good actor and good actors under the command of a good director give us the movies that there's a reason almost all of his early films and most of his filmography are are lauded as great movies well, because he along does that. that line, I'll point to Robert Shaw as Quint in Jaws. You know what Just I mean? Perfect. Like he's awesome and he's memorable and he feels like that character. Like yes. he brings that character to life. So I totally agree with you. He picks he picks perfect actors to fit his roles. Now well and, and then he like finds he has done that later in his career. Maybe he's missed the mark on some things. And I have one big movie to talk about in particular that, that does not happen. And I, you was know, sad, I was very saddened. Okay, I want to I get into that because it's not on your list, I imagine. No, it's not. Okay, it's probably not on mine either. And like, but one of the person I was like thinking of was Richard Dreyfuss, especially. Like he has oh, like sure. movie characters that he works with a lot. Like er, Richard Dreyfuss was early with like Jaws and Close Encounters and all that. And then sure. Tom Hanks was later. Um, but what's the movie that you're talking about recently that you think he whiffed on that? Sure. Dude, one of the biggest disappointments for me in the, of the past decade with these movies was Ready Player One. Same. Dude. And I honestly I've, think it's better than some of the others he's made, but it was yeah. just such a whiff of what it needed to be. Dude, and I remember, okay, so you introduced me to Ready Player One. I'd never heard of the book um, mm-hmm. by Ernest Klein, right? 
Yep. Um, I'd never heard of the book, and you were like, dude, you love pop culture just as much as I do. You'll get a kick out of this book. You should read this book. So I And you're read, like, I don't like to read books that much, but I was like, just I give will. it like two chapters. Like, just go. Just try and it. I, and I read Ready Player One, and I fucking loved it. Like, I loved it. I didn't put it down. I think I read it beginning to end in like a week. Like, I yeah. just, I blazed through. And for me, most people will be like, well, that's easy. That's a short book. But for me, I, a week reading time is like, I'm blazing. <laughs> I'm well, blazing. the thing that I remember about that book was like, I, I read probably too much, but, um, but I will just no, normally work my way through books. But that was one of the books where I'm like, okay, I'll read just a little bit more. And then before I knew it, it was like 2.30 in the morning. And I was exactly. like, I have to go to sleep. I have a work tomorrow. And that exactly. was the type of book it was for me, which is why I thought that you would really, really get a kick out of it. And I, but and then it, that movie was in production hell for years. Yes. And that's one of the things I want to talk to you about is you and I, I remember having the conversation with you when they announced that Steven Spielberg was going to direct it. And you and mm -hmm. I were like, amazing. We were like, if anybody could do it, this is the guy who well, should do it. And I stand behind that he's the only person who could have done it because of the rights issues. You yeah. needed all of the, the things clout. that he was attached to and his clout to be able to make that movie. And, and, and I just I, – I still feel like he focused in the wrong direction. Like to your point, I agree on the actors on this one. Yeah. I, I think almost every role uh, was almost, miscast. Almost. Except for um, – uh, The girl from – or the, the – yeah, the girl from Master of None. The girl from Master of None, and then also the um the bad guy. Oh, uh, T.J. Miller? No, 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 no. The the main bad guy. Um, I actually didn't mind T.J. Miller either. I'll throw that out there. I know. I thought I, know I didn't he's mind. Kind of become a society pariah right now, but he. Uh, I didn't mind him in the movie, but I didn't like him as like that bounty hunter. He needed to be more menacing, and T.J. Miller isn't. He was menacing. way more silly. No, you're yeah. talking about the dude. Oh, fuck, he's the bad guy in Rogue One too. Yeah, yeah, from The Outsider. Oh, um, Ben Mendelsohn. Thank you. He's great in everything, and Simon Pegg is great in everything. So those two, were, I thought, were spot on. Were great, sure. But, but man. Uh, the main kid, I don't even know his name, um, that actor. I thought oh, he was all wrong for, for He's in a bunch Parcival. of stuff, but he's he not very good. He doesn't even look like the description in the book. The kid yeah. is way too good looking. Ty and, Sheridan. Yeah. He's That's way too name. good looking. And the whole point is this kid is supposed to be a very like he feels bad about himself and he escapes into this world. Honestly, this is gonna sound weird, but because he also hasn't impressed me lately, but Dane DeHaan. You kinda need a Dane DeHaan. Like you kinda yes. need an ugly, normal looking person. Right. But then have like if have Ty Sheridan be the Parsible Parsible CG character. You know what <laughs> I mean? Yeah. Like like that's fine. But yes, it didn't, it just didn't, it feel, it felt like it missed its mark on like, and that was an important thing to the story. The, yeah. It's a very important through line for a lot of the characters in Ready Player One that they are living this second life because yeah. they don't like or are ashamed of who they are in right. real life. And I feel like that whole thread was just kind of like thrown to the side. Also, Especially the, the like one, the the main girl who was supposed yes. to be disfigured on one side of her face. Yes. It's just like she has like a little red 
She has a good wine stain, and also she's still beautiful. She's like, like she's like the hottest thing in the whole movie. It's like exactly. really, and it's like, and she's like, I'm a hideous monster. And she's and supposed like, to be what? like, not burned, but she's supposed to like cover yeah. her whole face and actually be noticeably disfiguring. Right, which which explains a lot and gives a lot of gravitas to her character and to the arc that when Parsifal and her meet. And he sees through that and like still cares about her. That's right. a big thing. But that this is very much felt- a sh- it's so much a she's all that moment of, oh, I'm gonna take off my glasses and oh my god, you're so beautiful. You're yes. an ugly slob because you have glasses and overalls on. It's like right. really that like that's what we're doing. Yeah. So for Spiel, it I and I will tell you this. My biggest problem is I didn't think it felt like a Spielberg movie. And I don't think that it did. Was, that was the biggest problem. I felt now, like all of the things that we just praised about Spielberg, which are his characters that feel fleshed out and you care about them yeah. and they're cast perfectly and the stories are filled with practical effects and wild things. Like almost none of those bullet points can be applied to Ready Player One. And and, and and I can understand the arguments of, well, it takes place in digital world, but then, like, have the juxtaposition of everything that happens in the real world, quote-unquote, is practical. Right. You know? Like, that would be, you could show me that juxtaposition and almost direct them in two different styles. There were ways to make that great, not just like, oh, it's a DeLorean, and oh, that's a T-Rex, and oh, that's a this, and oh, that's a King Kong. Like that is that is appealing in the book because it Dude. carries you through, like the Dude, story. I want a t-shirt that just says, "Oh, that's a King Kong." Oh, like I don't King. know why that phrase is really funny, but I just want it like a dude just casually pointing and just being like, "Oh, that's a King oh, Kong." Oh, that's a King Kong. <laughs> it's happening somewhere in that movie. It's like Jack Black's running around. It's like to his beauty. They're just like, "Oh, that's a King Kong." Yeah. That's that's a, that's a, wait, wait. Is that King Kong? That's a King oh, Kong. A King Kong. You see that King Kong over there? I also just Kong. liked the idea of that's a King Kong. <laughs> like, as if, like, one King of the Kong many is the reference to the type, like, the species of animal. Like, it's like, that's an iguana. That's a King Kong. That's a lion. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's a Loch Ness monster. That's, that's a, a Nessie. That's a Nessie. Uh, that's and that's my friend Steve. Shut up, Steve. <laughs> Who told you? Who told you? Was it Steve? Um, Oh man! But yeah, yeah, like okay. So we've talked about like kind of the some of the not great ones. There were others. Like I didn't even see Bridge of Spies. Um, I don't think I saw. What were some of the other? uh, His recent recent stuff. Yeah, his recent recent. I did see Lincoln. I liked Lincoln. I'll I'll stand up for Lincoln. Yeah. War Horse was one that I I watched, but was like, oof, I'm way out on this. There's a lot that I didn't like. Uh, Indiana Jones, Crystal Skull was way way out on that big whiff. Um, Terminal, that one. That's sad. It still makes me sad that Steven Spielberg he directed all of the India the previous Indiana Jones. How do you make an Indiana Jones in the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull if you are the filmmaker who made the original three? It's it's baffling. And and you could be like, oh well, there were so many years apart. And then you look at George Miller and you're like, well, fucking Mad Max Fury Road was a thing. Like, it, yeah. don't tell me, don't tell me about age and distance from a film project. Like, no, right. it just, he just didn't care about this one as much. Sorry. That's, what, that's yeah. just my and feeling. That's, 
I, I agree. I feel like that's kind of one of those things where it's just like, oh, that made me really sad. Because all, well, by all accounts, that movie also should have worked. Harrison because Ford's you, back. Freaking Spielberg's directing. Like, how could we possibly go wrong? And then it was just like, oh. It's like, that, I, in every how. way, <laughs> in every angle, we can go wrong. Well, and, and the thing about it is it doesn't even make sense because you look at the special effects in Minority Report or you look at the practical effects in, you know, Saving Private Ryan. And then you look at Indiana Jones and the King Kingdom of Crystal Skull, which came out many years later. And then you look at the special effects in like the ropes vine swinging scene and the giant ants. And you're like, this looks like it was made by a college student. I will it say just doesn't biggest, make sense. The biggest it, problem to me was that rope swinging scene. And that for some inexplicable reason, the monkeys look like the monkeys from Jumanji the movie. <laughs> And they the look same like quality draw level. Drawings. Drawings. Of monkey. <laughs> drawings. I make drawings. <laughs> they look like drawings of monkeys. <laughs> like, it, you're like, it really that doesn't. That's Jumanji not even what a real a, monkey looks like. A Jum that's so funny that you mentioned the Jumanji one because that is so accurate. They do look like the same, like, just mp4 file just <laughs> dropped into it's like oh those were the monkeys that were harassing those two cops in jumanji and now they're in this movie it's like <laughs> it, and it's like what did you use for the models it's like oh well we went back you know to old video archives of monkeys from 2001 a space odyssey it's like those were humans in shitty monkey suits Costumes. it's like oh that's why these look so terrible whoops <laughs> Like you know right. what, Steve, Stephen, Steve, I'm um, Stephen. George Lucas over here. Um, Stephen, I, I can save us money on Kingdom of the Crystal Skull as I, I have. I was a producer with, on Jumanji. <laughs> I have access to a, the a, a silent, a silencer on Jumanji, and I know Carl, who holds the SFX. I'm just saying, just so saying. George, I can make a call Steven, if that's Stephen. I know you're real excited about this refrigerator scene, but I'm telling you, people are going to love these monkeys. So, and I guess that's a big thing too. And it's, and it feels weird. Spielberg has always been a proponent of practical effects. I've mm -hmm. watched documentaries on the making of um, Jurassic Park. And he has said time and time again, he was like, you know, CG can provide you with shots and things that were not, capable of reproducing yeah. with puppetry but in any given scenario nothing beats something physically mm -hmm. being on set and people interacting with said thing and so it just kind of baffles my mind that when these scenarios that was one of the thing great things about indiana jones movies if you go back and watch them, some of the special effects, of course, don't hold up. But at sure. the time, they were A, cutting edge for what they were doing, and B, it was almost always practical. Like, yeah. almost every single time. And the last Indiana Jones movie came out around the time that CG was being developed, and I think they even used it in, a, there's a movie called Young Sherlock Holmes. Which oh, yeah, like yeah, the, yeah. The first fully CG character and you have yeah, because like we talked about that on the podcast before, the, yeah. the stained glass uh, soldier like, guy. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I know that people can't argue with me online because I know you want to, listeners. People can't argue that, you know, oh, well, he just didn't have that at his disposal. No, he did. He, he just, just wasn't chose... good enough for his movies. 
he chose not to use it, which shows that there was a discerning, yeah. like, he was like, mm, I don't think that looks good enough for what I am trying to do. And I wonder, like, is it, and, you know, I hate to say this, because, yeah, look at us. We're not directing anything, but no. is it, is it, we're just judging a master filmmaker. Is it his, is it laziness? Is it tiredness? Is it? a lack of caring about the product that is being output like, is it is, is it changing theory? times like is it is it times like we are have i don't want to say evolved but we as a society a film watching society have moved on to more complicated story structures and things and maybe i, I don't know like maybe it's just a i'm going to do things my way and not connect with the times or whatever but like i remember for me it was kind of around the like war of the world's terminal type of time period where i can what i was like oh it two realizations hit me in the span of those movies it was like oh steven spielberg can make a movie that i don't really like which was new it was like oh i kind of don't like this i mean it's a fine like technically he's a fine director and then he like made one like War of the Worlds, I think. And people, you can find me on it, but it's like kind of like, oh, Steven Spielberg can make a bad movie. Movie. It's like I didn't right. know that was possible. Right. It's just not good. It's not entertaining. It's kind of stupid. It's not good. And and it was like after that, I was like, oh, okay. And then those other things kind of started happening. And it was like the Tim Burton effect. Tim Burton to me took a faster fall and hasn't sure, come I, back i agree it has not come because i'm still i'm not going to say like his steven spielberg movies aren't technically good i mean war horse is fine it's just boring i thought right um bridge of spies is i'm sure put together and directed like an expert would i just you know fine i guess right you know but there there are just the legacy that he built is just beyond him being fine and I don't know if he's reached that level anymore. So, but my question. But I, he is still a legend for a reason, though. Let me put that out there. This isn't as us criticizing Steven Spielberg. For like, our list is are the best. We love this man's work, for sure. And on top of that, like every director has their their downstrokes you know what i mean mm -hmm. like not every picture is going to be your masterpiece you oh know of course I mean? they can't be and i'm gonna be honest and this may shock you a little bit there's some movies of his that are you will not be found on my list that people critically and like the people's consensus love but i mm -hmm. think are fine and i'm gonna throw one out there right now Jaws is one of those movies for me. Oh, really? I, I like Jaws. I think the shark scenes are scary, but about, about two thirds of that movie are way too long and boring for me. For for you, yeah. Yes. The the hot take here. I'll be honest. Once, that's like a that's like a big one. Once they get out on the water, it improves dramatically for me. Oh, I mean, yeah, it's it's great. But there are a lot of scenes that are really long. It's a really slow burn. Like, I encourage people to go back and recheck it out. 
it's a it's a good, competent, well-made movie with great acting, great performances. Like I referenced, and the behind-the-scenes stories like take it to a different echelon. Awesome like it's, and yeah. wild and weird. But I will say, it's it is not a movie that I revisit with any sort of regularity, and it's hard for me to sit through. Well, let me ask you a question then before we get into our lists and it's okay. If this one is on your list, like it's fine. Cause everybody knows the Stephen King, sure. like Stephen uh-huh. Spielberg lists. What, what do you think was the last like great movie he made? Mm. The last great movie he made was probably catch me. If you can, that's my, that's my choice as well. Like I think that's the last great movie that he made. Cause that came after minority report, which I think is a very, very good movie. Uh huh. I can't think of anything since 2002, which is almost 20 years ago and that he that has made. Me, would consider great. But I actually had this conversation with Haley last night in prepa- in preparation for this episode. I, she asked me the same thing. She's like, what do you think his like last, like really great movie was? And I was like, probably catch me if you can. Like, I can't yeah. remember. I mean, Lincoln is, is very it's, good, but it's good. It's not a Steven still, Spielberg movie. Nope. And I'm not going to revisit Lincoln. I yeah. would, I will rewatch catch me if you can over and over again. Oh, it's yep. A I, great I have movie. recently. Yeah. Right. It's a great movie. I re I introduced my daughters to it within like oh, the nice. last year because I was like, this is a really fun, good movie. So anyway, yes, that's probably where I think his I agree. career kind of starts to take a downturn for me. Well, I agree. Well, since we're talking about the good stuff, should we start yeah. our list? We should. Let's Spielberg list. Let's Schindler's list. Ooh. <laughs> This is where we make a list. The list. Three, two, list. Not like that. I did not like that at all. Look at this. Look at this shoe. I could have added one more movie to my list. Look at this ring. I could have added two more movies to my list. It's a top five list. You couldn't have added any more. This sock. I could have added one more Tom Hanks movie. Is it? Is it insensitive that I'm doing that? I think that's a funny thing. No, I think it's fine. Okay. Whew. All right. Should we? Should we? Should we start? I'm. I'm Jewish. It's fine. (laughs) Are you? Yeah. My family heritage is Jewish, man. I don't think I knew that. That's awesome, though. What? Yeah, I'm gonna expose it, dude. My my mom's maiden name is Feinstein. Well, I didn't know that. I don't know your parents' <laughs> isn't maidens. That, isn't that wild? I did not know that. It's very cool. Very awesome. Yeah. Hey. So, on behalf of the okay. Jewish people, I give you a pass. Okay. I hope that holds up in court. <laughs> um, all right. Here we go. My number five. I think it's, it's a big one for him. It was a big one for me. I actually really do like this movie. I don't revisit it as often just because of what it is. But my number five is Saving Private Ryan. Ooh, that's a good choice, dude. That movie is, it's just the opening scene, you know, the, the D-Day beach storming is so impactful. It's so well shot. I remember that like there were news stories about that, that opening scene. I remember just, and I was at the, at the age where it's like, yeah, gore and whatever. And it's like, but even I was like, this is uncomfortable and so visceral and real. And like, it's one of those movies where you eat, 
he proves that he's a great director because of how he uses the camera, you know, the way that he uses oh. it as a medium to tell the story, but then also just the way that he, again, it, this is one of the examples of him surrounding himself with a good cast, you know, an early Vin Diesel, which is great. Um, you've got, uh, what's, oh, what's that kid's name? A uh, dude from uh, Friends and um, Ted movies. He's Phoebe's younger brother and Friends. Oh, Giovanni Ribisi? Thank you, Giovanni Ribisi, yeah. Tom Hanks. Like, the cast is incredible. Matt, Dude, Matt Damon. I mean, let, let's just read some here. Listen to this cast list. Tom Hanks, Matt Damon, mm -hmm. Edward Burns, Tom Sizemore, Vin Diesel, Barry Pepper, Adam Barry Goldberg, Pepper. Giovanni Ribisi, Ted Danson, Paul Giamatti, Brian Cranston, Dennis Farina, like, Nathan Fillion. Yeah. And it is incredible. Like the, every scene that needs to be impactful is like the scene where the one guy's getting stabbed in the chest, like really slowly. Dude, that, and I'm glad you brought that up. And uh, I'm just going to go ahead. Let's just chat about this movie together because it's also my number five. <laughs> yes. Share jinx on number fives. Ah, jinx. Uh, dude, that scene in particular, I'm so glad you brought that up. That is such a hard scene for me to watch. That's the Adam Goldberg scene. Yes, it he's is. the actor. And just watching him, and dude, the part that gets me is when he's like, no, 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 no. no, no, no. Like, like, because he like knows he asking, can't win. Right, he's like asking him to stop. Oh God, that like. And the other one, and it's, it's supposed to be impactful, and it is, but it's when Barry Pepper dies, and he's got like the oh, bullets, my. he's like, and he's like. <laughs> and he's talking about his mom and they're like oh pouring God. like the morphine powder on, but it looks he's just bleeding and it's real bleeding like yeah, that's one I, of the things and he does it in schindler's list too but when like someone gets shot in the head in schindler's list there's not like a gu gush of blood it's not like an action movie yeah. headshot and like someone's head like snaps back and they like flounder it around it's just like it's just like headshot and then corpse and it's right. so visceral and and uh saving private ryan is full of that you know it's not like action movie gore it's like you see little impressions and blood just kind of like oozing out with the pulse yes it feels real and the and it's just like i said that movie affected me so much and then i and i've referenced it before but one of the times i have found myself openly crying in a theater is when the matt damon as an old guy is like tell me i've been a good man Yes. You know, and I know it's supposed to be like it's a dad punch. It's supposed to hit a man that way. But the idea of like, this is the story. This is what was sacrificed so I could live. I'm thinking back on that. I want to be the person deserving of all like, of that. I want to be worth it. Like I want to oh. make myself worth it. Man. And I mean, again, it's kind of like that historical drama that, that Steven Spielberg is great at, which is why Bridge of Spies to me is weird that I don't think it was effective as he wanted it to be. But Schindler's List has that too, where at the, at the end when the people are walking by the grave, you know, is he, yeah. he has that way to connect. This is what's happening now to this is what was happening then and why it matters. Can I tell quickly. you the only other filmmaker that I've seen do that, and I'm going to draw a direct comparison, is mm -hmm. James Cameron in Titanic. He oh. Did, that, was a that was such a Spielberg mm -hmm. button on the Rose story. You know what I'm saying? It really like, was. Like it felt very, and I, I thought that even when I saw that movie, I was like, oh, that's like a very, this feels like a very Spielbergian thing. I think Spike Lee does that really well as, as well, but like in his context of this is how racism connects between the decades.
Sure. Because Spike Lee, you know, will end his movies with like new stories that relate to things that have happened in his film and speaking of have you watched his new new movie the The five Five bloods Bloods? it is like high on my cue to watch i haven't watched it yet i haven't seen it yet i really really want to spike lee movies though to be fair are movies that i have to be like in the mood to watch a spike lee movie because i know it's Mm -hmm. gonna deal with some like heavy shit yeah even a movie like black klansman that is main and enjoyable i mean sure. they're all enjoyable let me be clear but you know what i mean like more like yes this is a funner watch than some of the others but i but still even that one is actually, like yep like i gotta be in the mindset to like be yeah. learnt to get yeah. woke you know what i <laughs> yeah. mean yeah um, like malcolm x isn't just a movie you drop on on a lazy <laughs> sunday just like that's not a hangover movie where you're hey like, denzel oh, make hungover. me feel just... great about being white yeah, and go. Um, so Saving Private Ryan, also my number five. Yeah. I think that's a great choice, dude. Like, I really And it's like everything that. that we talk about. Practical effects, great character work, amazing direction, perfect yeah. story, t- top caliber actors. Like, it's yep. the Steven Spielberg package in a bundle, in my opinion, just set in a war. He made a war movie, not a sci-fi movie. Agreed. And, to, uh, and we mentioned earlier, War Horse, uh, Lincoln... Um, Bridge of Spies. He's Munich. Done, Munich he's, is kind oh, of a. Munich. He's uh, done multiple yeah. war type movies. This is by far. This is the benchmark. This is the high yeah. watermark. For I agree. War films in his in his um, oeuvre. All right. So what's your number right. four then? Since we should. so speaking of him making movies about making you feel great about being white, my number four is Catch Me If You Can. Oh, okay. His last great movie, in my opinion. Sure. Um, Catch Me If You Can, I think, is the epitome of what I would consider a low-stakes Steven Spielberg movie. And what I mean by low-stakes is, like, Close Encounters of the Third Kind is, like, an alien invasion. And Jaws is people getting ripped apart, you know, by a shark. And, like, the stakes are larger. This one is like, oh, I don't want to go to jail. You know, so this one's, like, but it is everything you want in a Steven Spielberg movie is stylized. It's stylized perfectly. The acting is beyond high caliber. The story in the Hanks ca- again. Oh, Leonardo <laughs> DiCaprio is of his game, I think. But it is fun. It is engaging. It's long, but it doesn't feel very long. And it is literally Steven Spielberg in a in a zone, like in a style of like I'm going to set this in the 70s and have this kind of like Mad Men esque style. And I think everything about it works. And for me, it's his last great watermark. So it had to be on the list. Walking, crushing it in that movie. So good. So yeah. So for me, number four, catch me if you can. I love that dude. Something in the new millennium. You know, I got to get something, something in there. Uh, So I will tell you, and I think my number four may surprise you as to how low it is on my list. Okay. Um, but it's a movie that I thoroughly enjoy, and it definitely had to make my list. But I just think the other three that I have are, are better, and I am more likely to go watch them again. But my number four is E.T. Ooh, I am – let me maybe surprise you. That's not on my list. Okay, and so that so, then so we can talk about make it. make me feel bad that it's low on nope. my list. No, um, there are I, others that I think just have a higher – status for me yeah. and i would go back to more and honestly for this list a lot of my list placement was how often would i want to watch this movie again agreed agreed so my 
my number four is E.T. And for me, like I said, E.T. was the second movie I watched. At first, mm-hmm. as a kid, it scared the shit out of me. Like, just like you said, the whole agents busting into the house scene was scary. This, like, dying, dying. alien in a ditch was scary. And then when uh, he does die in front of Elliot. Is scary. Like, there was just a lot. Yeah. But I will say that visiting it, even just a year or two later after my first viewing, and then subsequently I've seen it, you know, countless Oh, yeah, I think all of us have, TV yeah. and summer camps and, like, oh man, I've seen I'll- it. I'll tell you, Emma, about a year ago, got attached to it. So we watched it every day for like two months. And really? I will say this about E.T. It may not be on my list. And honestly, it may not be one of my favorite Spielberg movies. But man, it holds the fuck up. Like, it is and, a and good ass movie. And I enjoy watching it. And like, that's why it made my day. list, man. It has some insane practical special effects that look <sighs> amazing still like they still really really work yep um and And even even with the shit let's let's clarify this is pre edit out the shotguns and replace them with walkie talkies version of et this is like original release date et right which which i'm gonna be honest i hated that thing because i think that neuters a lot of the fear the idea that these agents were chasing children armed with weapons is, uh, to me, that's what made the context yeah. of the scene. Like, that's scary. Like, they would yes. potentially be willing to murder these children. These kids are taking a large risk, not just being like, tackled they off are of, not like a skin to knee. Yeah. Right. Right. They're in danger. These are government agents yeah. that are willing to take lethal force if yeah. necessary to well get these- and this is another one of those movies where again like he's establishing kind of that steven spielberg style of there are stakes these are real there's a darkness and a humanity to this but it's fun like it's a it's a hollywood movie it's right. we're sitting and watching but also like i think et was one of those where you find the right people for the job like we were talking about this with ready player one the girl who has a huge birthmark on her face is supposed to be ugly, like supposed to be ugly in the book. Like, but you hire the most beautiful actress you can find for it. You go back to ET, that older brother, funky looking as hell. Oh dude, very much. But can I say this speaking on a very serious note about the cast? um, You've got perfectly cast characters. You've got a baby drew Barrymore, which yes, love, love drew in this movie. But Henry Thomas as Elliot. And this is way before Henry Thomas met Mike Flanagan in his career. (laughs) And let me say, Henry Thomas has come back and is a force that I am like, okay, guess what? Henry Thomas can motherfucking act like this. You know what? It's uh, Henry Thomas and Don Johnson are both in that category. Like, you know what? Last five years. Okay. Okay, like, Tom I, and Don. I I see you guys. Like you do. I see some you. Shit. I see you, Henry Thomas, being all creepy for Mike Flanagan in a bunch of different ways. Yeah, I love it. I'm into it. I'm here for it. Uh, but you've got that. You've got oh god, what's the mom? The mom in ET. Uh, D. Wallace. Yes. As Elliot's mom. Now she horror movie fans are very familiar with D. Wallace. Um, yeah, she is. And well, she's going to I me. Mean, she's a con con life for her. Oh, for sure. Like that's that's where she's living nowadays. But she's uh, in a bunch of like the uh, not I don't know a bunch of, but I know she's in some of those Rob uh, Rob Zombie movies. 
um, more recently. Uh, yeah, she's she's a big deal. This was one of her first like and only kind of family movies that she did. Agreed. But that's why it's lower on – oh, so not that's why it's lower on my list. It's but, lower on my list specifically for the walkie-talkie thing. And I'm going to tell really, you why. Okay. Because for me, that signified something very dangerous to me. Spielberg was pulling a Lucas. He yeah. was going back, and he was like, mm, I think I should adjust my movie to fit more with the current time. Well, and, and didn't Lucas have Hank and E.T. Yes. as well? So he's like, um, Steven, I think we should go back and do this. We should give them all Mothma beads. And I was like, no, I don't like that at all. Could, could, um, um, could Elliot be riding a, a speeder? A, yeah. a, a, a what do you think about that? Bike? When he gets off of it, can he say, yippee? Yippee! I'm, I'm going to the say. Uh, so, so, yeah. So, it's low on my list because I don't like it when creators go back and futz with no. things. Like, you put it out there, that's your movie. Don't, don't, and he didn't do it, like, three years later. He did it, like, 20 years later. Yeah, and, and he did it, like, in a time when he's like, dude, you're not making great movies. Maybe you shouldn't waste time with this. Right. Exactly. Like, like maybe you should focus over here. Like good things. The Lost World wasn't awesome. Hey, fuck you. The Lost World was awesome. <laughs> I am. Hey, we've had this conversation before. I fucking love The Lost World. It's not on my I list, know. but I love I, The Lost I World. I know. I don't. But it's fine. I know. But it's fine. People, The Lost World <laughs> is a good movie. Don't let people tell you otherwise. This is you. Fun. This is a Team J, a Team Q thing. Like we'll we'll agree to disagree. It's fun. One of my favorite scenes is is the fucking camper that's like sliding hanging off, off the, the thing. That's a and good scene. And they're uh, laying on the glass, and then the glass is like slowly cracking. That's some good. That is some quality okay. Spielberg shit. Yes, to that scene. Yep. <laughs> that's all I was saying. That scene. And gymnastics daughter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, her pole awesome. vaulting off trees. Yeah, awesome. It's yeah. not the word I'd use, but fine. So cool. Uh, anyway. <laughs> Are you ready for um, my number three? I am ready for your number three. Okay. okay. I doubt we share it. Um, my number three is Jaws. Oh, no, we don't share it. For sure. So you, you, you gave your opinion of Jaws earlier. I will give you mine. Uh, I've watched Jaws probably too early. There are a handful of movies I know that I watched too early. Jaws is one of them. Psycho is another one, and um, an alien is is another one. Those three I watched way too young because they were like on TV, and my dad was like, "These are really good movies," and so I like hid and watched them. Um, but but, uh, but Jaws was one of them, and Jaws affected me like capital A. Like I didn't want to go anywhere near the beach and water. I was scared of sharks, you know, unnaturally for years and years and years. But there was just something about that movie that gave me that stuck with me. And I can still go back and watch it. It's one of those that I can kind of quote along with. Um, I find myself thinking about it like the I use I quote it way more often than I should, like in serious meetings. Somebody be like something, something, something. I'm like, yeah, like a doll's eyes. Like a, <laughs> Just, like a doll's eyes. Like a doll's eyes. Glass eyes. The stereotype like a doll's eyes. Like a doll's I just, eyes. I don't know. So that that to me it was like there are movies I'll go back to more often, and those are my two and my one. But Jaws oh, is just top-tier Spielberg for me. The behind-the-scenes stories launch it into another stratosphere of greatness. Well, they make it legendary. Yeah, exactly. Like, like, this movie, by all accounts, shouldn't have gotten made. You know what I mean? By the, and shouldn't by have the been good. That like, they had. Yeah, it should exactly. not have been entertaining. And it was. And it, like, changed the fabric of society. Agreed. 
So for that, I give it mad respect. It's just not on my list because it's not one that I like. And that's why I'm not going to argue that it should be. But for me, it is top tier. That's fair. I have respect for it and I have appreciation for it. I just can't, uh, I can't put it on my list. So That's fine. Well, my, what, what is your number three? My number three is, uh, I had it pulled up. Shit. Uh, catch uh, me if you can. Oh, okay. Great. Good, yeah. good, good. So my number three is catch me if you can. And the reason that it's, that it's, uh, number three is because a, it was one of his last great movies. It was his last great movie in my opinion, but also, uh, once again, rewatchability, it's yeah. higher. It's higher than ET because I will go back and rewatch. And like I just right. said, I have within the past year, it's a movie that I love. It It's both a feel good and mm-hmm. also kind of like a tense movie. It's sad. It's happy. It's, it's like all of the things that I want from a good movie going yeah. experience, you know? What well, I mean? And it's quotable. Like I just mentioned with jaws, like I can quote along with it. This one is like the, I concur, you know, and like doctor, 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 I concur. Like there's yeah. so many, and I love, and again, it's the Steven Spielberg flair of being able to direct a good looking scene. Like when they're in that printing press, Oh you know, my God. Yes. it's just, it's beautiful. Like everything about that scene is shot well, acted well. Let me ask you though. Okay. I'm going to put you on the spot Q. Sure. Who do you think does better in the movie, Tom Hanks or Leonardo DiCaprio? Uh, I know obviously DiCaprio has more screen time. Sure. But I just, who sure. do you think who's more captivating to you? Uh, Tom Hanks is handwriting. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. I think he, I think he, brings like a gravitas to the character all right i'm gonna i'm gonna give you a hot take i love leonardo dicaprio right uh-huh i love him but there are certain roles that i feel like he disappears into like um like in once upon a time in hollywood yeah or in glorious bastards or the revenant wait no not like, in glorious bastards django unchained django exactly uh or the revenant right um those roles I feel like he disappears into, I was still very much aware that he is Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh, in that movie, really? In that movie. Like, not, no, don't, I mean, it's on my list because sure, all the sure. performances are great. But if we're, if we're I like put you on the spot, you have to have an answer, right. yeah. If we're comparing the performances, I think Tom Hanks is, is better. He's, I mean, he's spectacular. I what will about actually, you, if I turn I, that backwards, I'm on the other side of the coin. I did DiCaprio and that to me, and I actually see exactly where you're coming from. But one of the reasons I honest, I think that that connection is there is because you're watching someone be a great actor because he's having to be a doctor and a, you know, a, sure. an accountant and a flight, you know, a, a, a pilot. And so you're watching him like take on these roles and you know that Leonardo DiCaprio is a great actor. So when he's not doing that, you associate normal character of him with Leonardo DiCaprio because he's being a great actor in all these different scenes. But to me, that's what's so fun about watching. It's almost like um, uh, the guy in uh, in Glass and uh, uh, oh fuck the um, what's the uh, Unbreakable se- Secret sequel? Oh, uh, Split. Split, thank you. 
um, the guy in Split, like he does it very well, like being all those different characters. And there's an element of that in Catch Me If You Can. So for me, I just love DiCaprio is so engaging through that whole thing that to me, he takes the top spot. Although I love what you said of Tom Hanks bringing a gravitas to the role because I definitely think he does that. And it his character is necessary for all of the switches that DiCaprio is oh, doing. for sure. For sure. And let's be honest, he is like your audience surrogate. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's the person watching the Frank character yes. do all of these things and be yeah. amazed by them. You know what I mean? Yeah. He is, he is the audience going, wait, what? He did what? Oh, no, we've got to like... You know, yeah, and then like by the end of it, having respect for him, I was like, "You should come exactly. Work for, you should come by work end, for me." You're like, you know, like the things you did were bad, but at the same time, I'm kind of awesome. Fucking impressed. Like, <laughs> kind of impressive. That was kind of awesome. Um, so yeah, so that's and so it made it a one step higher on my list at number three. I love it. Um, so so yeah, so that's where I'm at. Um, so that brings us to a commercial break. And Ooh, then yeah. I will I will say I am very, very interested to see what your top two are. I have a feeling we might share our, our number two, maybe. Really? But I don't think in a million years you're it's gonna, gonna be, be able a toss up. Is. It's gonna be a toss up. I think we'll share at least one of them, but I don't know if we'll share the same placements. So. You're gonna be shocked to find out that the lost world is my number one. I am. I'm, well, especially oh, shit. since you I just said it's not on my your list. list. Oh, Quick, no. go to commercials. Go, 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 go. Coming this fall, the sequel everyone's been waiting for. It's Moonies, a Goonies XXX parody. I can't wait to find the treasure at the end of this map. You'll remember all the characters that you love and all the scenes that you adored. Hey, hunk, you gotta do the muffle shuffle. Holy crap, I built mechanical dildo. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you guys, this is my dick. Hey, do you think that uh, we should go through this cave, and by cave, I mean her vagina. Coming September 69th, the Moonies, a Goonies XXX parody. Hey, help me follow the map to One-Eyed Willie's treasure. Zip. <laughs> Come on down to Cheese Log, the fromage theme park. It's in France. Come ride our world famous roller coaster, the Swiss Miss. <laughs> and then you can also make sure, with all your children's packages, that you get your free wheel of cheese from the Cheese Log and you get to eat it before you go on our weird speedy ride. From under these balls. <laughs> so you're still in France and you're like, what do we want to do? And like, Pierre, what should we do in France? I'm like, go to the cheese log, the fromage theme park. It's for cheese people and it's in France. 
It's so Gouda. <laughs> we all types of cheeses are welcome. We've got American cheese. We've got cheddar cheese. <laughs> we've got we've got Havarti cheese. We've got pepper jack. We've got string cheese. <laughs> we've we've Monterey Jack. Colby Jack cheese. <laughs> Sock red, blue cheese. <laughs> oh, come on down to our food court. It's only cheese. Come on, try our log ride, the major backup. <laughs> come on down to the cheese log, the fromage theme park. It's in France. It's the theme park featured in Vacation, the reboot. <laughs> fromage means cheese in France. Omelette du fromage. All right, now that everybody has forgotten. everybody time to forget. You forgot that you said you're number one. Um, But I should distract even more with going with my number two. I agree. I agree. Thank you. You're a good man. My number two is... It's the Lost World. Honestly, I'm surprised we haven't... (laughs) I'm surprised we haven't referenced this movie already in this episode, but it's Raiders. It's Raiders of the Lost Ark. I fucking love it. I fucking love Indiana Jones... Uh, we ragged on the fourth one, I know, but the reason I rag on the fourth one is because the first three are so good, and I, I love Last Crusade. I did skits of it in summer camps when I was in high school. I even love, I love the the second one, the Kalima, yes. But there is something about Raiders that is Steven. It's Steven Spielberg in a nutshell. It is greatness with Harrison Ford. I gave you one. Uh, Christmas or on your birthday, a candle of the melting face guy at the end. So I give it as gifts to people. Um, I, I love this movie and I can go back to it. There are background stories of, you know, Harrison Ford being sick on the day with the whip fight guy. So he just shoots him. Everything about that movie to me, it just works. And I can, anytime it's on television, I'm going to watch it. So for me, number two was an easy choice. Like Raiders of the Lost Ark, Steven Spielberg, top of his game. I fucking love it. I love it. I think it's a solid choice. And I'm going to be honest, like I'm struggling right now. I'm struggling because I think I know what your number one is. I I think since I haven't mentioned it yet, you you may. It makes me, it makes me want. Do you want to switch your list? It does make me want to switch my list. Because I was super on the fence and I really want to do a Jinxies about it. Well, then switch it, man. Part of me is also like, do I just fucking go with like my initial gut? And nah, I want to do a Jinxies about it. So, uh, so here's the deal. My number two, which was originally my number one, (laughs) is now Indiana Jones. Huh? And the Last Crusade. Oh, the Sean Connery one. My favorite Indiana yeah. Jones movie. I'm okay with my, that. My forthcoming son is named after Indiana <laughs> yep, Jones. He sure is. I am a diehard, died in the wool Indiana Jones fanatic. I love it. 
it's it's one of the greatest things ever. It is. It's so and good. For me, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade epitomizes the Spielberginess of those movies. It's got a father and son relationship. Mm-hmm. It's got these characters that are kind of brought like like Raiders is is a scrappy Indiana Jones led flick, right? Yes. Like it's it's just Indiana Jones and it's primarily action and you've got Marion Ravenwood and she's along for the ride. But she's and then you have like the true fact of he doesn't really matter to the plot. Like that's a real thing. But right. this one, you're right. It's got the father son. It's got the adventure angles. It's got the car chases, but it's also got like puzzles and trials, which is also exactly. like, Very you know, Goody's groups of people atta- attacking like trials together. Yes. Right. And it just feels right it feels Mm -hmm. like it feels like they took everything they learned in raiders and then everything that they learned in temple Temple of doom Doom. which a lot of people hate but i really i love i don't hate but i also acknowledge it's not as good as the other two i agree i think if i had to rank them it would be uh it it, on the scale on a scale of three because i'm not counting because we're not right my number one would be uh uh, Last Crusade, number two would be Raiders, and number three would be Tim. I mean, you flip one and your two, and you got mine, but yeah, it's it's essentially and it's tough. Uh, let me be honest, it was tough to deciding between the two, but I just I think my entry mechanism to that uh, character has always been that his arc movie. Sure, I go back to that one more, I think of that one more, but I don't man, know. Last Crusade, just, like them throwing like the rocks out on the invisible walkway. Still is still blows my mind. I love that effect. That um, one of the one of my favorite scenes is the the history of how Indiana Jones came to be the Indiana that you know. Yeah, and the the circus river, the circus, young river um, phoenix. Yes, and he's like a boy scout, and he's running away from an archaeologist who is dressed a lot like Indiana Jones, and at the end, like. Gives, gives him, him his, his hat. Yep, and he gets fedora. the whip and the lion tamer and he gets thing. The scar on his chin, and he develops his fear of snakes because he falls in a yep. freaking anaconda tank, and like, it's all just—it's great. It's all just—it's really awesome. Um, but that being said, I just—I—I I was on the fence between my number one and this. It was a really hard placement because both of those movies, both of the movies that we're about to discuss hold very important places yeah. like in my cinematic like understanding. You know what and I mean? And that honestly is why my number one is my number one. It's very personal and it's very personally number one for me. Um, I, I will agree with that. So my number two, Indiana Jones, is also an Indiana Jones movie just like yours. My number two is Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, and that that leaves us with our number one, which I hope I haven't made a grave mistake thinking that it's one thing and then it turns out it's not. Well, it I – If it turns out gonna, to be The Lost World, then we're really screwed because – No, it's not that, but it's it's close to that. It's also uh, – you know, I, it's, it's – it's, again, this one was baked prehistorically into my DNA. Oh, my um, God. We did it again. So my number one – is, is Jurassic, Jurassic Park. Park. Yes! I am so happy. Okay, so let me explain why... Um, yeah, give me, a, give me the rundown. What's the, what's the background on this for you? So the reason 
that Jurassic Park is my number one movie is that, you know, when it came out in 96, I was kind of like the perfect age for it, you know? Sure. 13, 14, right around there, going to movies with my dad, um, going to movies with my family, realizing how much I loved movies. Sure. Jurassic Park was a specific one where I saw Jurassic Park, I think five times in the theater because that was back in the day where you had like dollar theaters. Sure. So after course. it did its first run, it would be in a dollar theater for like six weeks or yep. whatever. And I would literally have my dad take me to those theaters every weekend and we would see Jurassic Park. And I saw it probably four or five times in theater. It was the first movie I ever did that with that. Like I went multiple times to the theaters. I was obsessed with it. I had all the toys I uh, had like the, even the T-Rex that you had, like you could take the rubber bite out of the side and see his ribs oh, yeah. Yeah. on the inside. <laughs> I had that toy. I mean, I was obsessed with Jurassic Park. And to this day, I still like, we'll go back to Jurassic Park. We will watch that movie. We're trying to introduce Emma to it way too early. She does not need to see it, um, but she likes it. And we've watched it. And even the things like the, the Nedry stuff and the uh the velociraptors and the laposauruses and the kitchen scenes and everything is so good i mean even our newest child it, her room is a jurassic park themed baby's room believe exactly. it or not so it, this movie has just impacted me so much and it's honestly one of the first movies that i connected i love cinema not just like i like this movie and i like this movie and disney movies are fun like i like Hollywood. I like cinema. Yep. I like Steven Spielberg movies. And so for me, Jurassic Park has everything that we've talked about with Steven Spielberg movies, plus that kind of that's when I popped my cinema cherry, if you will, and started yeah. looking at it like people made this and it's amazing. Now I so I'm gonna jump in here too since it's so a sorry I just like totally no, bogarted the show but that's I fucking love that that's and why I it's my number that one personal I love that personal effect that it had on you um, I will say it is the movie that let me know that anything is possible in cinema like yes that movie for me as a kid because I was at the same age. I also saw it in the theater. I didn't see it as many times as you did, but I definitely saw it in the theater. Um, but it's one of those things that it showed me that, like, wow, movie magic can make anything. You know what I and mean? And then there, that was also the time when those shows on, like, E! were showing, like, movie magic and how things were made. Ah, and there were... Discovery uh, Channel. Yep. Yeah, that's right. That was it. And then you... And you may be going here, but, like, there were a bunch of those for this movie. Yes, and that's where that is where I'm going. So it, okay, it definitely it it made me fall in love with the production aspect. Mm -hmm. Not because I knew what it was at the time, but I watched this movie and immediately went, "I have to know how they how did, did they do this?" this. Yeah, it's like, like a magic trick that you watched. You're like, "Yeah, I've seen like movies with animated dinosaurs, and I've seen like." special effects but this but is this, real right this like was a next level thing and so there was a show it used to air on discovery channel it's called movie magic and they did an episode about jurassic park they did an episode about hocus pocus they did an episode oh, yeah. um i remember independence day they did um, in an, uh, yep independence day 
Everybody the Independence Day one I remember is because they built the thing on an incline so the fire would go up, and they filmed it that way. It was super cool to see the warehouse where they had yep. like New York City like up on its side. So everybody, go check out Movie Magic. You can find full episodes on YouTube. I did a rewatch of them it's real like cool. a year ago because I I rediscovered them and was like, oh my childhood. Um, I just remember, and I remember weirdly with Jurassic Park specifically the whole like this is how we made the eye pupil like dilate yes. in the light and it's like oh, yeah. that's such a cool little detail and it's so me, neat and scary the memory of jurassic park like behind the scenes one of the scenes that is the coolest and most tense is the fucking water ripple and oh, i yeah. remember watching the behind the scenes and to achieve that effect they attached a piano wire under the vehicle <laughs> And a PA assistant would sit down there and pluck the string. Yeah. And when they did, it would bloop, make that that ripple. And yeah. I, but I remember thinking that was such a cool effect. And it's so simple, but it perfectly like verbalizes exactly mm. what's happening and that tension because they're watching the water and you're like, what the fuck is coming? And it's just like boom. Like these perfect like circles of just like Something huge is coming. Right. And then I will also never forget the shot. So that same T-Rex attack is happening in the rain. And I remember that scene where the T-Rex puts his face like right up to the window and is kind of like looking in and he like breathes and it like, <sighs> it like yes. fogs up. the Yes. And I remember thinking that's, that's real. Like that, yeah. that is a real dinosaur or with his face up against that the scene when his snout pushes the glass of the sunroof down yes and they're holding it and you're like looking up into its mouth and i remember thinking that's the most horrifying thing i have ever seen yes and to this day i have never seen like that scene in particular now i've gone back and watched uh, i own jurassic park on blu-ray all oh, of course yeah so so do we. i i will say that certain CG scenes, like the scenes where they first see all of the dinosaurs don't necessarily hold up amazingly. Sure. They look the, pretty CG-ish. Where the gallimimuses are like stampeding around them. Like, yes. There's like, a couple of those, but... But that T-Rex scene to this day has nothing has ever been matched special effects-wise. At, like the foot going into the mud. The, yep. Never just everything never, about it. Never once has that been matched. And I've been waiting and I've seen all of the all of the Jurassic Park sequels. They have never matched the tension and feeling that you get from that T-Rex in the rain attack scene. Like And they've tried. They've aped that scene and they still haven't done it. But that to me is mastercraft level filmmaking. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like yes. he managed to take something that is not real and make it real. It's right. movie magic at its finest. You know and what I mean? And to wrap this all back up, I think that, that to me is what encapsulates the truest nature of what makes a good Spielberg movie. Is I think there is something about the last decade or two, almost two now, where he has somehow captured where, like even movies like The Terminal or, you know, Bridge of Spies, you know, some of the other ones I mentioned sure. don't feel real yes it agreed. feels like a movie like it feels like a oh, war horse is a movie um you know war of the worlds is a movie but it doesn't feel real or tangible it doesn't feel like you can 
touch it and experience it and live in it like you can with his other movies. And not, it's not 100% on the special effects or the practical effects. It's just there is a way that he used to be able to connect everything he made to reality that, I don't know, maybe being a billionaire for 40 years disconnects you from reality a little bit. I don't know. I, I, I don't know, but I totally agree. I think that's a perfect summation. And I would like to add a button to that in that, to me, Steven Spielberg equals cinema magic. Like, mm-hmm. that is what he creates worlds and characters that I believe in. Yeah. You know what I mean? And for me, that is his biggest impact as a filmmaker to me, is he he has kept the magic in movies. Right. You know what I mean? Up and there were movies, I feel like, career. that got close. Like, the BFG felt closer you know it's kind of like it was a good movie i went with the kids and saw it in the theater and i'm not saying like and i'm not taking away from it i don't it's fine it's kind of one of those that's fine but you could feel him inching in that direction like there was magic in that movie there were the connections and the parentals there was the you know the their world versus the other world that like it's just not quite there i know didn't quite gel and it yeah and i think when he gels the ones we've talked about I think, yeah, that, that's where the cream of the crop lives. So speaking of the cream of the crop, I think we need to do the top of the top. Ultimate, the ultimate list. So um, here, here's a couple, like, we're going to, Saving Private Ryan will be five. Yes. Catch Me If You Can, I think, is an automatic three. Yep. And Jurassic Park is automatic one. So we've yes. got can five, I, three, and one. All right, I want to I wanna do a little bit of debating with you. Okay. I will acquiesce, and, and we can put Jaws on the list. At three, if you will let me put Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade as number two. How about we put Jaws or, at four and we put Indiana Jones Last Crusade at two? Okay. Yeah, that works. Because here's here's you what I'm gonna catch propose. Catch me if you can at three. Yeah. Okay. Because I think the fact that it was on both of our lists and Everything that you mentioned, I think, you know, he wanted his last great. He needs something from the new decade on the list. I agree. And so, and since we both liked it better than collectively we like Jaws, I'm okay with it being four. It needs to be on the list. So what I have now is Saving Private Ryan at five, Jaws at number four, Catch Me If You Can at number three, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade at two, and then Jurassic Park is number one. And I feel fine with that. I think that's a fucking awesome list. Sweet. That is beautiful, I guys. I'm going to lock that in. And honestly, if you, I mean, we're still in quarantine as we record this. If you need to do a marathon, here's your Steven, here's your Steven Spielberg marathon. You got your war movie. You got your classic. You've got your modern age. You've got yeah. your Indiana Jones. You need. You just got to have an Indiana Jones. And you've got your sci-fi adventure fantasy, uh, yep. you know, tentpole milestone. Yep. Yeah, that's awesome. It covers all the bases. It does. Well done. Let's pat ourselves on the back. We are amazing at listing things. We are. Nobody. And actually, I have a, I have a good game for us this time. All right, perfect. So, should we get ready to game? We should get ready to game. Should we ready player one? <laughs> we're gonna know. We're gonna ready player two. Oh, perfect. Excellent. We're gonna ready player take a number two on that movie. <laughs> I want to play a game. Oh, it's a wonderful game it is, too. Risk is part of the game. Well, how about a game of Parcheesi? Remember that favorite game of yours? Gangsworthy of His Majesty. You really think you're the only one who can play this game?
We will be perfect in every aspect of the game. Let the games begin. All right. What do you got for us, Jay? All right. Master Supreme. I looked up a Steven Spielberg trivia quiz online. And I have not looked at what the questions are, and we're going to take it together and see how we do. Oh, I love this. Let's do it. Okay. So uh, here we go. What was the name of Steven Spielberg's first romantic film? The Color Purple, Always, or Amblin? It's Always. Because uh, Amblin is the name of a is, production is company. Production company. And Color Purple is not very romantic. It's not a romantic film. Okay, sweet. We got it right. Perfect. Hey, okay, next one. How many Academy Awards was E.T. nominated for? Five, uh, nine, or 12? 12. Okay, I'm going to go with you. I have no idea. I was thinking nine, but... Oh, no, it was nine. I was right. You were wrong. Ah, but, shit. But we went with 12 because you sounded very confident. Well, for, um, okay, so but right before you finish that question, for some reason, the number 11 popped into my head, and I was like, was it 11 Academy Awards? I think, and I was just waiting for a number that was closer was close. to 11. That's, that's better than what I was thinking. I was like, I like the number nine. Let's just look at that. <laughs> that um, was a good movie. Do you remember the movie Nine? About the an- it was an animated movie. Yeah, about, it like, was uh, Elijah movie. Wood. It was like a little ragdoll. Fucking weird movie. Weird as shit. Beautiful though. Beautiful. Um, All right, go ahead. In what city was he born? Cincinnati, San Jose, or Tampa Bay? I want to say San Jose. San I think he's Jose, California. I think. I think he's California. Oh, Cincinnati. Jesus. Was it? Oh, shit. We don't know shit about Spielberg. Which Steven Spielberg film starred Dan Aykroyd, Ned Beatty, John Belushi, and other big-name actors? The Twilight Zone movie, Empire of the Sun. Okay. That is 1941 was the answer. What? Twilight Zone movie had Dan Aykroyd, and he directed directed one of the things. He directed one of the segments, but we were wrong. We're doing very badly on this. God. Um. Why did Steven Spielberg decide against the scene for Schindler's List within the Auschwitz concentration camp? Out of respect, the logistics, or he couldn't get permission? I'm going to say out of respect because I want that to be true, and I think he's sure. great. I also want that to be true, so let's go with your and answer. It's, it's, that is correct. All right. Oh, okay. We're going to – well, Steven Spielberg got a writing credit for which creepy movie? Poltergeist, Arachnophobia, or Gremlins? Oh, Poltergeist. Poltergeist. Yeah, we know that one. He actually directed that movie, Quiz. Um, which actress appeared in his first major film? Elizabeth Bergner, Janet Blair, or Goldie Hawn? His first major film, wasn't that Duel? Or no, that was a made-for-TV movie, I think. Man, I'm going to put Goldie Hawn. That's right. <laughs> Sugarland Express. Oh, shit. Nice. I was right. Which set of Spielberg movie projects resulted in a helicopter crash that claimed two lives? This is the Twilight Zone movie. Yeah, it is. You're correct. Yes. Um, why was he rejected for admission into the University of Southern California's film program? He'd been arrested, his work was unimpressive, or he had low grades. His work was unimpressive. Yeah. Nope, he had low grades. Which kind of means the same thing. Every single one of my guesses has been has wrong. been wrong, and all of <laughs> mine have been right. So, um, how many extra did Steven Spielberg scenes for the Omaha Beach in Saving Private Ryan? Five hundred, a thousand, or fifteen hundred? Let's just put the most we've got. Yeah, yeah, that was right. Uh, Spielberg was afflicted by which learning disability? Dyslexia. Dyslexia. Yep. Yep. 
That is right. How long Yay! did you... I did it! You won, Q. How <laughs> long did it take Steven Spielberg to film the D-Day scenes for Saving Private Ryan? Oh, shit. I don't ten, know. Ten days, two months, or 90 days. I'm going to put two months. That's right. Nice. Um, executives repeatedly turn down for a directing gig in which franchise? Star Wars, Need for Speed, or James Bond? All right, hold on. I want to say it's Star Wars, but I think I it's, James, feel it's Bond. James Bond. I'm going with that one. Yep, it's James Bond. He, if he had wanted to direct a Star Wars, him and George Lucas were like this. He could have directed a Star Wars. Yeah. What role did Spielberg play during the creation of Flags of Our Father? Producer, director, or special effects director? Producer. Producer? Yeah, producer. Uh, we got to be getting close to the end here. Uh, how many? How long is this quiz? Uh, oof, I thought it was like 10 questions. Uh, how many awards, Academy Awards has he won? Three, five, or seven? Don't know. Five. Nope, three. Three? Ugh. The movie AI was passed to Spielberg from what Kubrick. other director? Yep, Kubrick. Kubrick. I remember that one too. Steven met his wife on the set of which movie? I'm going to put uh, Gremlins. Wait, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. His wife was Tem Kate Capshaw. Oh, so Temple of Doom. Um, Money Temple Pit. Doom. Yeah. Or nope, yep, Kate, Kate Capshaw. How many other questions we got? We got, okay, man, there's too many of these questions. All right, and we're done. We did great. We win, yay! We know we so much and so little about Steven Spielberg. That's right. Well, I know a lot about Steven Spielberg, apparently, and you know almost nothing. So I'm the perfect <laughs> I think person that's... to judge his, his library of films. Perfect. I think we've established that throughout this episode because it was a great episode. Um, that was people, good stuff. People, people needed this. I needed this. People laughed. Steven Spielberg needed this. And we'll probably never get hired for anything Spielberg works on after this list. So. Amblin. Go check us out on everything, including Patreon, Project. Oh man, guys, you can see the video. You can see the video of this. Uh, our, our overlords, Project-Nerd.com. You can see the video on Patreon at the three dollar level. That's three dollars a month, guys. Come on, Patreon.com slash Wait, no, it's five not at the three dollar level, is it? No, I think it's at the. No, it's five dollar level. It's five dollar level. Well, still, that's five dollars a month. Come on. Yes, come on. Come on. Come on. We have reached the end of another High Five, the podcast episode. It's time to lock up the writer's room and rest comfortably, knowing we knocked out another great list of things you should be watching. If the guys didn't mention your favorites this week in their lists, you can harass them by emailing them at myfive at highfivethepodcast.com. That's M-Y-F-I-V-E at H-I-G-H-F-I-V-E T-H-E-P-O-D-C-A-S-T dot com. Got that? Or connecting with them on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash high five the podcast. On Twitter at high the number five the podcast. Instagram at High Five the Podcast, or on Letterboxd by searching High Five colon the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, 
or wherever else you listen to podcasts and drop the show a five-star rating to show us some love. What's the worst that could happen? Kalima! Maybe. See you next week. And that's a wrap, everybody. Cut, Casper. That's a wrap. Cut! Printed! What happens in the next reel? Cut! Okay, that's a print. Okay, cut! That's a wrap! That's a wrap, people! Now let's get the hell out of here.